This is Illinois in Focus, powered by TheCenterSquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Coming up, we'll look ahead to this Sunday when Illinois state senators return to Springfield to pick a new Senate president and get commentary from the Center Square publisher Chris Krug and executive editor Dan McCaleb about the latest fallout in the 2012 email scandal, the increased pension debt for Illinois' teachers, and more. That's ahead with Illinois in Focus, powered by TheCenterSquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Hi, this is Chris Krug, publisher of The Center Square. Our team produces the nationally read and recognized news stories at thecentersquare.com, the country's fastest-growing, nonprofit, nonpartisan, state-focused news and information site. We deliver essential Illinois news and information with a taxpayer sensibility through reporting that's easy to understand and easy to share with your friends and family. We know that you want to get a quick update on what's happening at the state capitol in Springfield and across the state. Our team writes short, impactful stories that help all Illinoisans understand what's going on in their home state. We know that you need information that allows you to understand what the governor and your local legislators are doing. Our team covers government and the activity of elected officials so you can make sense of how their activity affects you and your family and your future here in Illinois. We know Illinois because we live in Illinois. Get the news that you need to know at thecentersquare.com. That's thecentersquare.com. Thecentersquare.com. This is Illinois in Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Here are some of the top stories from the past week. Governor J.B. Pritzker fired the Illinois Department of Agriculture director in the wake of a 2012 email about a rape in champagne and ghost payroll practices. Last week, the governor said he referred the issue regarding the lobbyist email sent to then-Governor Pat Quinn to an inspector general. And then we've got to hold those accountable who are, you know, responsible for perpetrating either the crime, the cover-up, or the, or, the, or the threats that are associated, I think, in that email. Look, I want to root out all the wrongdoers. This is just... I'm sick and tired of it. You all are, too. Um, the people of Illinois are sick and tired of it. On Monday, WBEZ reported John Sullivan resigned as director of the state's ag department. Pritzker's office said in a statement Sullivan knew about the 2012 email back when he was a state senator and didn't report it to the proper authorities. Before that news broke, Comptroller Susanna Mendoza said leaders need to clean it all up. And I think we have an opportunity here to not just do window dressing on this, but actually have potentially criminal investigations that will bring down whoever might have anything to do. Mendoza said there are still more questions for officials from the former Quinn administration. You know, I haven't heard much of anything coming from the people that that email was directed to or the governor who that email was essentially weaponized to help. The Illinois State Police and Champaign County State's Attorney are assisting an investigation into the allegations in the email led by the Office of the Executive Inspector General. Following Sullivan's departure, Pritzker said bad actors will be held accountable. Well, I think there is a gathering storm for people who are headed in the wrong direction. Um, the people who created this culture or the people who are contributing to it. Nobody belongs in Springfield who is engaging in this kind of corruption. Meanwhile, it's not just the definition of lobbying that state lawmakers are delving into. It's also whether every government in Illinois should have some kind of registration system for lobbyists. The Illinois Commission on Ethics and Lobbying Reforms met this week to focus on lobbying. The commission also heard from nonprofit reform groups. Elisa Kaplan from Reform for Illinois said lawmakers must look at not just lobbyists, but also consultants. Recent revelations about Mike McLean, 
who according to press reports was paid more than $300,000 as a quote-unquote consultant for ComEd after he stopped registering as a lobbyist, have raised the issue of so-called shadow lobbying. Illinois state law doesn't bar lawmakers from leaving the legislature to immediately become a lobbyist, something the reform groups pointed out over and over again. But Marie Dillon with the Better Government Association said she doesn't think the problem is lobbyists. I think the problem is the transactional relationships between special interests and the people who write our laws and set our government policies. That's what's poisoning the trust of the people of Illinois, and I think that's what our work here is about. The commission set to provide recommendations for reforms by the end of March. Fewer Illinois taxpayers are on the hook for growing public sector pension liabilities. The Illinois Auditor General released this report on the state's largest pension fund, the Teachers Retirement System, showed an increase in overall liability by $4.5 billion. $3.2 billion of that is not funded. The total unfunded liability for TRS is $81.1 billion. Truth and Accounting Research Director Bill Bergman said that's scary when considering a different data point, Illinois leading the nation in outbound migration. The growing debt is shared with a fewer and fewer taxpayers and citizens. And as a consequence, the, uh, the per capita and per taxpayer amount is growing. Republican State Representative Tom Bennett said the growing taxpayer costs for pensions don't help keep people around to pay the tab. For some folks in the General Assembly, they think, well, maybe that's more toward weather. No. In, my folk, in the people in my district, they tell me it's because of taxes. People are leaving because of that issue. And we've got to find a way to deal with this sooner than later. Some Republicans have pushed for a constitutional amendment to lower the taxpayer cost of pension benefits, but Democrats have said such an idea is not popular and unlikely to advance. Bergman said that recent audits showed that taxpayer costs increased by $400 million to TRS last fiscal year. The other side of the coin, of course, is that the cash drain on the state of Illinois froze $400 million, and that, that, uh, that dollar amount is up to about $4.5 billion a year uh, now, which is uh, roughly five times as much as the members actually contribute. He also said investments were more sluggish than the year before, despite a booming stock market. And taxpayers and citizens are effectively on the downside, given the, the guarantee of the benefits in the plan for the teachers. Illinois taxpayers are also on the hook for the liabilities in four other funds for a total of more than $134 billion of unfunded pension liabilities, Nearly a quarter of every tax dollar the state takes goes to public sector employee pensions. Illinois Republicans continue to criticize the lack of changes to address the state's high property taxes, which have been pegged as the second highest in the nation. Last spring, state lawmakers passed a measure creating the Property Tax Relief Task Force. The group, comprised of 88 lawmakers, was supposed to produce a report with recommendations to reduce property taxes before the end of 2019, but didn't. Governor J.B. Pritzker recently weighed in on the issue. Look, I will listen to any good ideas about property tax relief because we have to get at this in the state. He questioned whether Republicans were authentic in their concerns about a lack of a final report that was due at the end of last year. So I wonder how real and how much gamesmanship really was involved in just having that press conference. State's Republicans have now held three news conferences, drawing attention to the lack of a report and a lack of substantive reforms. In Springfield Tuesday, Republican State Representative Dan Brady said the task force has failed. Rather than bringing forward substantive changes and suggestions that would provide relief, the Democrats' so-called reforms focused on expanding the sales tax base to raise even more money without promising to reduce the property tax burden. Republicans say the state doesn't need more money that needs to spend the state's tax dollars it already gets more wisely. 
Brady said one major driver of high property taxes is increased costs from first responder pensions. He said some at the state house treat pension reductions like the plague, but there are also people fleeing the state en masse. And I, and I hope that uh, that's a message that the majority party is getting. And it's unfortunate it's had to get to this level to hopefully start understanding it. And the reverse course has to start, and it has to start soon. In the first 12 days of recreational cannabis sales, state regulators report dispensaries sold nearly $20 million in cannabis products over the course of nearly half a million transactions. Some raise concerns about tax revenue, where it's going to be spent. Tax revenue will be split with 35% going to the state's general revenue fund and smaller percentages going to other places, including law enforcement. A quarter of every tax dollar generated from recreational cannabis will go to the newly created Restore, Reinvest, and Renew program. Republican State Representative Tim Butler opposed adult-use cannabis partly because of how the tax money would be spent. He points to Illinois' poor handling of grant dollars in the past. We can't have insider deals. We can't have a, uh, this money going to waste. This is important tax revenue, and it's a lot of tax revenue coming in the door. That's one of the reasons that it was sold to the people of Illinois. This is tax revenue to help us pay our bills. This isn't going to pay our bills. He said before groups apply, they should be in compliance. So the dollars can be spent the way they, they should be instead of having to spend them on spreadsheets or compliance issues. That seems, that seems to me to be, um, you know, we're taking dollars and probably not putting them where they should be. But, but at the end of the day, these people do need to be compliant. And Illinois needs a new Senate president, but voters don't get a say. That choice is up to members of the Senate. They plan to return to the Capitol Sunday to make that selection. After they adjourned the final day of fall session, Senate President John Cullerton announced his retirement. Senators will pick his replacement Sunday. While it was a different chamber, longtime state politics professor Kent Redfield recalls in 1972, selecting the leader of the House took 93 ballots. There were also many ballots at once in a Senate president election years ago. At one time, we, the, the Illinois State Senate took 173 votes in about a month to to get a, a presiding officer. Redfield doesn't expect there to be any deadlocking or party crossover on Sunday because Democrats have a supermajority. This is kind of a contest where um, people go out and, and, and uh, uh, raise money. Uh, when senators return, they'll go into private Democrat and Republican meetings. Immediately after, they'll open session with Governor J.B. Pritzker presiding over the votes for the next Senate president. The next president will only be allowed to serve for 10 years, according to Senate rules, but Redfield said that could change. These are rules rather than a constitutional provision, and so they can always change the rules. Susan Garrett, former legislator who now leads the group Center for Illinois Politics, said Democrats and Republicans agree to limit leadership terms in the state Senate. Um, the House has not, and I think that's why we're seeing measures, so they should actually near each other, the House and the Senate, in term limits. While House Democrats don't have limits on leadership in their rules, House Republicans do. Those are the top stories of the past week from Illinois. For more online, visit thecentersquare.com. Coming up for Illinois Focus, commentary from the Center Square publisher Chris Krug and executive editor Dan McCaleb. This is Illinois Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Illinois and Focus's Crosstalk segments. Chris Krug, publisher of the Center Square here in Illinois, joined as per usual by executive editor Dan McCaleb. Dan, how's it going today? Doing well, Chris. I have a bit of a scratchy voice, so I apologize to listeners. But other than that, everything's good. 
All right. Well, maybe a, maybe a, a little a little bit of a, a little bit of old gray tea there, my friend. Get yourself fixed up. Some chicken noodle soup. Yeah, that's what my wife said. I hear it's good for the soul. Um, no shortage of stuff to talk about in Illinois. Uh, and this 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 one of the weirder stories I think that we've come across in the past few years. Uh, in particular, within the legislature itself, is this strange email uh, that came from a former Madigan aide regarding a number of subjects, but all of them connected to someone who carried water for the Dems and included allegations of a rape cover-up from Champaign, or I, I should say that occurred in Champaign in 2012. The latest turn of events in this is the Illinois Agriculture Director, who was included in this email chain, John Sullivan, who forwarded this email to at least one other person, has been f- fired by Governor J.B. Pritzker. So get us caught up on what's going on with this story. Like I said, this is somewhat convoluted and 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 not necessarily super easy to follow. But see if you can connect some dots for us, Dan. Yeah, it is. It is a complex uh, story. So it starts with uh, uh, Michael McLean, who uh, served in the House early in his career um, with uh, now Speaker Michael Madigan. Um, and after he left the House, he became a, a, a powerful lobbyist in Springfield, someone who had uh, Speaker Madigan's ear um, uh, the last several years uh, for ComEd, for energy uh, energy provider ComEd. So uh, in 2012, um, he, he uh, sent an email to then Governor uh, Pat Quinn's chief of staff asking for leniency for an employee a, a longtime state employee who was going through a disciplinary uh, proceedings. Um, and what the email said, as we talked about last week, one of the things that the email said in sticking up for the state employee was that um, he didn't talk about that rape in Champaign and he didn't talk about ghost hiring. Uh, the, the practice of ghost hiring means you hire political friends and they don't have any real work to do. They just get a they just get a paycheck. Mm-hmm. And so this, this lobbyist who was close to Mike Madigan, Speaker Madigan, um, was vouching for this state employee um, because he didn't talk about uh, a, a supposed rape or an alleged rape uh, in Champaign. And he didn't talk about, he kept his mouth shut about ghost hiring. Um, what, what turns out that uh, Illinois Department of Agricultural Director John Sullivan, he was a state senator at the time, well, the governor's investigation into the emails found that uh, Sullivan both received a forwarded copy of that McCl- infamous McLean email and also forwarded it on. And uh, Pritzker uh, said that was enough for him to decide to terminate Sullivan. Sullivan said, took, took responsibility for both receiving the email and forwarding the email, but he said he never read it. <laughs> well, well, well so I, guess, I guess the lead wasn't strong enough in the email. I, I don't know. 
Well, it begs the question. This email is from 2012, thanks to some good reporting from WBEZ in, in Chicago. They uncovered it now eight years later, seven and a half years later. Um, one, how many people knew about this? If if he's receiving, uh, uh, if Sullivan's receiving a forwarded copy and he's forwarding it on to at least one or maybe probably many others, how many people saw this email and how many people did nothing about it? It's a great question, I, and, and I mean, I wish I could. I wish I could even begin to take a stab at uh, at answering that. I mean, it's. I think that that really, you know, speaks to what we should talk about next is what happens next. I mean, you know, is is there going to be a legislative response? Is the governor's office going to do anything further or take this anything take this forward for the purpose of fact finding and 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 bringing truth to light? The governor said he's afforded uh, all the information he has to the inspector general's office. Um, uh, House Minority Leader um, Republican Jim Durkin has called for a legislative uh, committee to investigate uh, with with subpoena power. Um, that makes sense because that investigation can take place in public and it can be transparent. And Illinois taxpayers, Illinois voters, can follow it. We know how sometimes investigations by the inspector general go to a place where uh, uh, the files left on a uh, uh, on a filing uh, cabinet, uh, yeah, and they get dusty for two or three years. Um, there sh- there should be a legislative uh, investigation of this. Um, uh, State Republican Party chair correctly points out that you know if if. Uh, if a low-ranking lawmaker is receiving this email and forwarding it, then how come? How did legislative leaders not get the get see the email and see the allegation? How did House Speaker Michael Madigan not know about it? He did, he he does say that he didn't know about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the first he heard of it was when WBEZ reported it last week. Well, how do how are we going to find this out? We mm-hmm. voters, taxpayers need to know what happened here. Well, I mean, and, and it's a story that that uh, that is not, I don't believe, going to go away anytime soon. We talked about it the last couple of weeks. Uh, I don't know that there's going to be daily updates on this, but I, I truly do hope that uh, the governor's team cares about this enough to keep this active and that the legislature has the courage enough to pursue this for the benefit of, of, of Illinoisans and, and just to untangle it, to get, to, to get us a, a, a clearer idea of, of what this is, just what happened and, and, and who knew what, when, I mean, my goodness, this is, this is the, this, this sounds like something that would happen inside the Kremlin. It's just so, so bizarre. Um, and, and, you know, of course, you know, squashing a, a, a rape, I mean, hold, come on now. I mean, we're just, we have to be better than that here. We just have to be. And, 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 you know, great reporting by WBEZ to uncover that email. Who knows? That, that, that this was eight years ago. Who knows what else is, all else is going on? What else is being covered up uh, within state government? Um, essentially, in a system that's been uh, set up uh, for government cronies to protect uh, government cronies and, and their political leaders. Yeah. Well, um, let's shift gears a little bit here. I mean, obviously, that's a story that we're going to continue to follow, and it's an important one. And then it's going to—it's—it's—I hate to say it's one one of many because the subject matter is is as grotesque as it is unique. Um, we talked a lot about uh, teachers' retirement system uh, in 
and funding for that specifically in Illinois. Uh, there's a new report out about total liability and that total liability number is increased by what, $4.5 billion over the year to year uh, with the year ending June 30th, which would be the of 2019, the end of the previous fiscal year. So could you get us caught up on this just so we understand what's going on? Yeah, so um, uh, like anyone who listens to this program, listens to us on the Illinois Radio Network knows <laughs> Illinois has the worst funded pension, public uh, pension systems in the country. Um, total uh, unfunded uh, debt is $140 billion at a very conservative estimate. Many say it's more than $200 billion. So uh, every year an audit's done of each of the state retirement systems. Uh, this week, uh, the audit was completed of the teacher's retirement system, which is the largest of the state's fub, uh, public pen, state public pension systems. And despite uh, Illinois taxpayers throwing more money than ever into the pension systems, uh, more than 25% of our state budget is now taken up with, with uh, uh pension payments. Despite that, uh, the teacher's retirement pension, total pension liability increased from $134.4 billion, or excuse me, to $134.4 billion, from $129.9 billion, and the unfunded ratio of that um, grew grew from $77.9 billion to $81.1 billion. Mm. Essentially for the entire, the entire teacher retirement system uh, is funded uh, by only 39.6%. Mm. Under, underfunded, therefore, by 60.4%. Uh, mm. And that's an obligation that you and I and our sons and daughters um, are going to be stuck with. Well, yeah, not if you skip the state. I mean, um, it would be pretty easy to avoid it, to be honest with you. Um, it's just one call to U-Haul uh, or some other such moving company, and you can you could uh, eliminate that that obligation. That's, and that that's, uh, that seems yeah. to be I think that just seems to be lost uh, on all those people, you know, who who treat this like it's a non-issue. It, it is the basic portability of every Illinoisan. Ultimately, and every the last six census estimates show that that's happening. People are fleeing the state in droves, and um, that just leaves the people who stay behind uh, worse off because fewer taxpayers to to pay down this debt. Just to connect this story real quick with the with yeah. the earlier story, um, something interesting the the story about the uh, the. 2000 or 2012 email the state employee who was being protected um uh by michael mcclain lobbyist michael mcclain uh back in 2012 he retired in 2018 um he was 54 years old he gets a full pension uh, a full pension paid for by taxpayers and his uh, 20 plus year career in state government um he paid a total of one hundred twenty thousand dollars into his pension fund. So about $6,000 a year yeah. uh, or less or less. If he, if, if he lives to what, what is the um, median life age for male adults in, uh, uh, in Illinois, he'll receive $2.7 million in benefits over the rest of his life. On $120,000 investment. Yeah. $2.7 million 
paid for by uh, you and me and all the other Illinois taxpayers, uh, all the other taxpayers that remain in Illinois, as we talked about. And he retired at age 54. You going to retire at 54? I'm hoping to live to be 54. <laughs> but, but I mean, I, I think. You don't have that long, though. <laughs> you're going to get there. Your, your point, your, thank you very much for that. Your point is, your point is clear, though. That the it, it's and look, I, I I have no qualms against those people who are you know who are signing up for these deals and are, are receiving these deals, but there just has to be clarity on the on the way that they're funded. That the, the funding mechanism is just not congruent with reality. I mean, four hundred one ks don't work like that. I mean, it's on honestly, it's it's like it, 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 this is practically like a, a lottery ticket that wins every time. I mean, if you somehow can leverage the market and put $120,000 into it and get $2.7 million out of it at the end, it's like knowing that Google is going to become, you know, a near trillion dollar company and that Amazon is going to become, you know, a near trillion dollar company and that Apple is going to be a trillion dollar company years in advance and just you're able to just put those chips on the on the board and the wheel comes up your way it's just it just doesn't it doesn't match up with the vast majority i mean the vast vast majority of how retirement works for other people who aren't in the public sector it's just so archaic and and, and frankly it's it's unfair oh. it's it's unfair and outdated because people like uh, this gentleman who was, you know, good for him, able to retire at 54, he's a winner, but there's plenty of losers, meaning Illinois taxpayers, who are going to have to fund that retirement. Of course, as with health care advances over the last several decades, people are living longer. To be able to retire at age 54 uh, and be set financially for life on the backs of others, it's just, it's unaffordable. Something's yeah. got to give. Yeah, it's free stuff. And speaking of free stuff, what in the heck is going on, you know, with all of the different obligations that we have in the state of Illinois and the, the financial realities of living here, how is it possible that somebody's talking about free college for Illinois state residents? And, and what, I mean, just give me an update on this. These kinds of things drive me crazy. I mean, we, so yeah, <laughs> free is never free, right? I mean, somebody's paying for this. Right. Illinois hasn't had a balanced budget since the 80s. Um, our current budget is more than a billion dollars out of whack, despite all these tax hikes that we went. Well, guess what? There are still lawmakers that are out there who don't think we spend enough. Uh, so, yeah, there's a, a, a bill filed by a, a Democratic state senator that would provide um, free college tuition for the first two years, uh, uh, Illinois residents um, of college age under a certain income level. You know, it, it's it, it's if Illinois had done its job over the last several decades and kept its finances in order and things were going swimmingly well, you know, this might be something I could get behind. But the fact is, we're not anywhere close. We don't have enough money to pay for the programs we currently have. And to propose something that would cost, I didn't see a cost estimate on it, but certainly it's going to cost in the millions, the tens of millions of dollars um, to provide free tuition uh, uh, to Illinois residents. It's just outrageous. Yeah, I just don't know. I mean, it. I, I, I just don't get it. I honestly, I just don't get it. I mean, I, I 
there are plenty of jobs that are out there that are available to people that don't require a degree for one thing. And there's a certain lack of, you know, dignity of work that exists already. And the idea that you need to have a college degree to be successful, I think is idiotic, especially the way that, that you know, that, that, uh, that people enter into, enter into college, you know, and, and enter into student loans. Now, while this program would eliminate the cost of that for the student, it would not eliminate the cost of that for the rest of us. And regardless, I think people, when they get something for free, they don't treat it as well as they would treat it as if they paid for it themselves. So I'm I'm not a fan. Yeah, I'm not a fan. Good point. Well, you can't be a fan in in Illinois uh, where we're already broke. We probably should be bankrupt legally. Yeah, Um, Yeah. right, right. We just just can't pay for for everything for everybody. It's 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 not sustainable. Yeah, it just it just doesn't make sense. It it really it just doesn't make sense. Well, and that'll do it for Dan and I today. Thanks for joining us on uh, Illinois in Focus, the Crosstalk segment. Now over to Greg Bishop with a look at what the Center Square Illinois will be working on in the week ahead. Next week, we'll hear more about what some of the priorities will be from state legislators as they prepare to return to the state capitol for the start of spring session. The Center Square Illinois will be on the ground to bring you the very latest. This has been Illinois in Focus. For more Illinois stories and commentary online, visit thecentersquare.com. For the Center Square of Illinois, I'm Greg Bishop.